0: and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, State Clerk of the EPC. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Now, here's Dean.
1: And thank you, Rachel Joseph always appreciate that opening for us as we gather together around the table here at the EPC Global Command Center in Orlando, Florida, for another edition of the EPC's podcast, In All Things. We're grateful for all of you who have not only joined us, but continue to like us on social and share with others. We've had great guests. We've been doing this now for about a year and a half, and uh, we've had guests from inside the EPC, outside the EPC, and We're focusing on a number of different series this year. We have a series on church health, a series on church planning. We'll be doing series on what it means to be an effective biblical leader or discipleship. We'll be doing more on our global movement as a part of how we join God and his mission to the ends of the earth through World Outreach and some of our fraternal partners. So all of those things are expanding and helping us to learn more about the mission that God has given to the Evangelical Presbyterian Church and how we join God in that mission. To bringing his good news to the ends of the earth. And today we have a special guest in the studio. He's, he's maybe our first return guest, Jerry Iamuri, who is our um, assistant stated clerk for a long period of time. And now he is the CEO and executive director of InFaith. And we're going to learn a little bit more about
2: that. Jerry, welcome back to the
1: office of the General Assembly and in all things.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Dean. It's a privilege and honor to be here. So we'll hear more about what in faith
1: is doing, how God has led Jerry there. And by the end of the podcast, we'll see if I arrive at a place of forgiveness where I let go of the grieving in my heart for Jerry having left. We'll pray that I get there by the end of our conversation today. But before we dig in, a little bit of a fake sponsorship. One of our sponsors for this comes from the Gospel Priority of Church Planting. Our National Director of Church Planting, Tom Ricks, has been traveling all over the country, helping to set up some ministries regionally so that we can support presbyteries who are supporting local congregations who are in the effort of planting churches. The EPC has four gospel priorities. Two of them really focus exclusively on church planning. Domestically, we call that multiplication. And then globally, We call it world outreach. Actually, world outreach, our global workers, the principal way in which they bring the gospel to the ends of the earth is church planning. People are reached for the gospel more through planting churches in many cases than a lot of our already existing and established churches, although our existing and established churches have a role to play as well. One of our mottos in the EPC is that every congregation to be a parent, a partner, or a patron. And we're adding a fourth P in there to pray. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because every church can pray for the advance of the Great Commission in their community, in their Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And church planning is an important way in which we do that. One of the things that is especially important is being able to identify, assess, and train and deploy new church planners. So if you're someone listening today where you know of someone who has a calling to a particular area, maybe a way to approach people who are unchurched that hasn't been done in that area, maybe this person has an entrepreneurial spirit, a love for the Lord, and wants to do, basically be a part of God's mission in their own community by planting a church, please reach out to Tom Ricks, our National Church Planting Director, and you can find him on our website at epc.org. Now, without any further ado, let's dig back into that conversation with Jerry. And so Jerry, Help everybody get to understand in faith. It goes back like almost to the age of the country, right?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It goes back to 1790. Wow. And it was started as the Sunday School Union and eventually became the American Missionary Fellowship. And we've only been in faith for the last decade or so. Okay. So, uh, updated the name, but the mission stays the same. Essentially, it's just sharing the gospel in North America. Right. And trying to extend the reach of the church into the most overlooked and under resourced places in the country. And we're looking for the least, the last, and the lost. Okay.
1: So I love the idea that you're extending the reach of the church. You know, sometimes one of the criticisms of quote unquote parachurch organizations is that they take the place of the church. But you are so excited about being called to this ministry because of the way in which In Faith comes alongside of the church and serves the church. Tell us a little bit more about how In Faith
2: serves the church. Oh, That's a great question. So particularly what we're finding is if a church has identified a ministry that they would like to be involved with, but they may not have the resources to take the lead on all the administrative aspects of it, they may not have the resources to fully fund it perhaps. So what they would do is collaborate with other churches that have the same vision and the same idea, then in faith would come alongside them and try to help them to realize that their dream for a particular mission in a particular place, whether it be a church plant or whether it be a, a Sunday school or whatever or can, it is. You guys have done camps and things like that? 34, too, we have 34 camps in conference wow. centers and okay. hundreds. And it turned out I was doing some research and found out that in Faith had planted over 100,000 churches in the United States in 1790. Wow. And many of them have become Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, or independent Many of them don't even recall that their roots were actually within faith. They right. were started as a Sunday school by an in-faith missionary on his horse with a saddle bag full of books. And uh, it just grew into from a Sunday school to a church and then joined a denomination or became independent or, or whatever. So once they're able to stand on their own two feet, then they move on from in-faith
1: right? The purpose was never for them to be a part of in faith or to somehow build its own denomination. So once they reach that point of sustainability or that point of viability, they just go whatever the direction the Lord has for them. And in faith says, well, we did our job here and they look for the next place they can help. That's exactly right. Yeah. So give us a practical story, an example of one of the places where Maybe a church has reached out to InFaith or a group of churches have reached out and said, we'd really like to do an outreach in this area to this group of under-resourced people, kids maybe or whatever, and how In Faith came, came alongside of them and helped them bring that into reality.
2: Two examples. One of them has to do with a church planter. There was a church planter who had a network of churches that were supporting him financially. So a group of churches already ready to sign checks for him to, for his support. But he didn't have anybody to actually cash the check (laughs) without doing, becoming a 501c3 and articles of incorporation and EIN numbers. And there was a whole lot of legal responsibilities before he could even take the check to the bank. So I spoke with him and realized that this is what In Faith does. So all of those resources that he had collected were deposited within Faith in his own account. He had an account within Faith, a general accounting unit. One of them was for his uh, support. The other one was for the expenses of the church, and then he was completely liberated from having to worry about all the legal and insurance and salary and payroll responsibilities. A so we huge gift because all people that. who get into
1: doing something like that do it because they want to see a church get planted, lives be reached, uh, the gospel go out, and then when you they have to deal with all of these administrative details. Not the way many of them are wired. Number Sorry. one. And number two, it just kind of sucks the life out of them
2: because they really got into it to be with people and share the gospel. That's right, 100%. And in faith also matches a 401k contribution for all of the missionaries. We provide medical insurance and we provide liability insurance and professional grant writing and things of that nature. All the HR, legal, IT support that a church planner might need. And we help handle and organize all of their income and all their expenses. So those are the, some of the things that we do. So that was one person, a church planter. And then we had, after he had a, a good experience, there's about 10 church planters that are EPC teaching elders that would like to be partnered. And they're in various stages of partnership within faith. That's been very fruitful and it's really taken a burden off of them. So, so
1: let's go there for a little bit, because sure. if someone's listening in, you know, we want to communicate clearly how these things work because we don't want people to be confused. But if someone was a church planter and they're in the PC and yet they're somehow working within faith, is that a conflict of interest or is that kind of a redundancy or how exactly does that work for someone in a kind of a collaborative way?
2: Well, that's a great question. We've, we've talked about that to some extent with some of our planters. We primarily provide the administrative support and spiritual support, you know, prayer. And, and we have uh, conferences and opportunities to get together in fellowship. But we're really primarily helping them with the entrepreneurial business end of it, but not the governance part of it uh, necessarily. We really rely on the denomination that's going to be telling the missionaries how they want to work within that context. So if you want to do this, if you want to be an independent church planter, then that's one thing. But if you're going to be an EPC church planter, the EPC rules for, you know, in the book of order are just more narrow than the governance parameters for in faith. So we tell our EPC church planters is that, you know, the book of order applies to you and your relationships with your presbytery, your home church. So your, it's not an end partners. run
1: around the EPC. They're still part of the connectional system and faithfully involved in their presbytery or the local church. I mean, they have all yeah. that accountability built in. This is just more of a, the parameters are broader in, in faith. And so if they're in good standing inside EPC and they're accountable, they're going to be in good standing with, in faith. Precisely. As someone comes to In Faith and they approach you about a particular, let's imagine we have someone listening right now from a a church in Kansas Mm -hmm. and uh, they had a a heart to reach the migrant community in Kansas, people who are coming in from maybe Mexico or from other Mm -hmm. places and they're trying to reach that community with the gospel and they had a desire to start, let's say, um, a daycare Mm -hmm. for migrant workers so that they would have a place to take their kids. What kind of steps would they take if they were to try to connect within faith to do something like that?
2: Yeah, well, we actually have missionaries that do exactly that. And uh, their particular way of reaching them were in the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State, supported by an EPC church. And they actually teach English as a third language. Mm. People that have come from uh, Central America, and they're, primary language is spanish but their secondary language or perhaps their primary language is their tribal language mm. and spanish is perhaps secondary and they don't know much about english at all so we have missionaries that are actually teaching english and they're mostly uh, migrant uh, farm workers from uh, central america mostly women and they are just trained in english and then they have bible studies and then they're being discipled by two women that we have out in uh Washington state. So you keep
1: referring to this as missions. Yeah. And that's kind of in faith's thing, right? So help us understand, because when a lot of people think of missions, they think of international, right? How is it that in faith understands a situation like the one you've described in the peninsula, Washington as, as missions?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, there's people in the United States that don't know Jesus Christ and they've come from all over the world. And we want to be in the United States for when they arrive, that we're able to share the gospel with them. And we normally combine that with some very meaningful program. It may be something that we do regarding a children's ministry. It may be something that we do regarding food pantries, camps, conference centers, teaching English, providing opportunities for people that don't normally have an opportunity to go to camp. So it's a heavily subsidized camps across the United States where they could come and some of them have never been to camp before. And in the midst of all the fun of of camping, the canoeing and the boating and whatnot, they share the gospel. They have chapel services and they want to bring them into a relationship Mm -hmm. with Jesus Christ by sharing the gospel. Sounds like missions to me. Yeah. Amen. Oh,
1: I'm going to turn the corner here a little bit. You've heard me say on numerous occasions that polity serves mission, right? So governance helps us to be able to do mission. And when you were the assistant state clerk in the APC, you you were just the king of governance. You were the person I came to to go, Jerry, how do we figure, how does this work? How does this work? And I think as Bob Garman has stepped in as our chief parliamentarian, his knees were quaking following you just as your knees were quaking when you followed Ed McCallum. That's right. Um, But I think you've shifted now in your leadership responsibilities Mm -hmm. so -hmm. that you still understand, obviously, I don't know anybody that understands governance as well as you do, but you've moved more now as a leader Into the mission side of things. So you see how governance and mission work together, Mm -hmm. but you've gone from being in, uh, for lack of a better word, the number two chair, where you were that support person with governance, to the number one chair, Mm. where you're trying to help mission move forward. And you and I did a lot of that kind of stuff together, but now you're seeing that from a little bit of a different standpoint. How has that transition been for
2: you? Well, that's really interesting because. As you said, when we were working together here, it was always governance serves the mission. And now with a fresh set of eyes at a fresh mission, I'm able to see that whatever everyone has some sort of governance and they had some sort of governance. And it's like, how do we shape this governance to support these particular missionaries? And what I found was It was a little heavy on the governance that was what's essential and what's unessential. You and I did that. Jeff and I did that. What do we, what's essential for EPC governance? And we were able to discard some of the things that were less essential. So in faith, we're also doing that same kind of assessment. Mm. What does the person who is sharing English as a third language in the Olympic Peninsula, what is, what kind of governance does that person really need? And the answer is not a lot. Right. So we want to make sure that our governance is as nimble as possible to accommodate every different kind of missionary that we have in the United States. And we want to be sure that everything we do in the home office is there to make their lives easier, more efficient, more effective and less red tape and less paperwork and less hassles. So I think I've, brought the experiences here, and now now I'm applying it. But it's a somewhat different context because there's right. no book of order. right? So we just want to see, well, what's the most efficient thing for a church planter, for example, that we would be able to serve them as they serve the EPC and are answerable to the EPC uh, courts. So some
1: of those missional principles, though, are going to apply. Like if someone comes to you and their governance system is Baptist background, mm-hmm. it's going to be congregationally based. You have someone who comes to you from an Anglican background, more hierarchically based. If someone comes from a Presbyterian background, we're kind of somewhere in the middle. I mean, you've got to be able to take all of those different things, but the principles of being missional, mm-hmm. which is what you described as how does in-faith serve that person? How do they help them achieve that mission of teaching that third language to that mm-hmm. person so they can hear the gospel? Those principles of, of how a national organization serves the local, that transcends all of the other stuff, doesn't it? Absolutely. Now in your role as a leader, how have you seen that missional service to the local church? We started that conversation. We would talk about missional polity all the time. And now you're living that.
2: Yeah. Well, we had a a situation with some independent churches, fiercely independent churches that were affiliated with within faith. And they had a disagreement. And the question is without any polity and without any affiliations, what do you do? Right. And it could be That's a great been, case study right there. Oh my there. goodness. Yes. So we sat down and we just sort of went through it. And I think the most important thing for us at that point was to think what's the issue beneath the presenting issues. Right. There are a lot of symptoms, but what's the actual disease? And it's a, it was a relational thing. Yeah. So we just tried to Do that deep dive into what was really going on between two different groups of people. And then, how do we, through Matthew 18 and through scripture, try to get that resolved? But it's difficult. They got that far down the road because there were were no polity guardrails. But once we got down there, we resolved it. And we've resolved it because I had the experience from a denomination with policies and polities. So uh, that's been just very interesting to see. I do prefer when we have our independent area missionaries that are responsible for an entire region, they're very much Lone Rangers and they're very much wanting to do their own thing. So we're pretty broad with our quote unquote governance. We give them a lot of freedom and we do that with all of the the missionaries. They have a lot of freedom. They're self-directed in many, many ways. We do have follow-up in our accountability through our regional directors uh, and they check in on them, but they get a lot of flexibility.
1: So any surprises to you I mean, we have a lot of white space in our constitution, more than a lot of denominations do. Right. But at the same time, you're much more nimble and you have much more latitude to work, I think, at in Faith, which makes you very adaptive for a missional
2: environment. Any surprises there for you and, and that you've learned in that process? The biggest surprise to me was when we, we were in Denver and I was meeting with the church planters and I saw what their needs were. This is and the EPC, the church, EPC planners. church planners. Yeah. yeah, we were all together and, and I saw what their needs were. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is a great opportunity for both of us. Because we've got resources that will absolutely meet those needs. And we will make it seamless for you and make it easy for you. And uh, I really like taking things off people's plates. So in faith really takes a lot of the burden off the missionaries' plates. And I just love that, that metaphor, Jerry, of um, leadership as taking something
1: off of somebody's plate you perfected that when you were here serving in the EPC and now you've brought that into your new role do you have any uh, stories or examples of where leadership as taking something off of someone's plate uh, has played out in a real practical way
2: well one of the things we try to do at in faith is do some grant writing and try to help raise support for our missionaries particularly those that are really feeling uh, the pinch economically, and they're doing a lot of work, and they're serving a lot of people, and they maybe don't have the time that they need for the, the fundraising. So there's one instance that we reached out to a very, very generous EPC church, and uh, I asked for a grant for a particular missionary, and the church was very gracious. And when I received word that the grant had been approved, I reached out to the missionary to let him know, and he started weeping and thanked And said last night, he and his wife had just agreed that they were going to have to sell her engagement ring Mm. in order to pay their expenses because they had just needed the financial support. And this was going to save their engagement ring, this gift. So we try our very best to find out what the needs of our missionaries are and see if there's any way we can satisfy them. And you just took that huge burden off of their plate. Praise God. God
1: calls you to another organization. You could have just dropped off the radar screen, but you've stayed connected and invested and involved as an EPC teaching elder. And you've looked at how this 200 plus year old organization with a proven track record of serving the local church accomplished its mission, how it could help other people in the EPC take something off their plate, like you said about the church planners. I just love that as a paradigm for leadership. You got my mind spinning now. Leadership is taking things off of people's plates. I'm going to be thinking about that for the rest of the week. So thank you for the gift of that. Praise God. Yeah. So if people wanted to pray for you, they wanted to pray for in faith, uh, learn more about in faith, what, what would you
2: suggest? We need workers for the field. You know, yeah. There are some places that are very remote, agricultural communities, and we need missionaries. We need missionaries to go to those places. There's a huge need in, in rural and agricultural communities, right? 100%. Yeah. And we also have the urban need. We've got at Kensington and Allegheny, one of the largest open-air drug markets in the United States. And we have in-faith missionaries there. And we need people to go that are willing to share the gospel in these extremely difficult places and under extremely difficult circumstances. So if someone is feeling that nudge today and they're, they're thinking, okay, I've,
1: I've always felt the call to missions, but the idea of going internationally has never really, the door's never opened for me. And I'm still thinking about maybe I should be doing that. And yet the idea of of all the logistics, the administration, the resources is kind of overwhelming to me. What kind of counsel would you give them?
2: Well, I would say my email is jerry at infaith.org. And (laughs) I'd love to talk with you because that's exactly what we do. We try to make missions a reality for people in the United States. We try to make missions a reality for people in the United States. That's good stuff. And you're
1: connecting with uh, the most under-resourced areas in the United States, bringing the gospel to them. In faith. In faith. All right. Awesome. Well, Jerry, it is a delight to sit with you as always. Grateful for God's hand on your life. And when I walked in today and saw you, I just, uh, it felt like home uh, having you here. I miss you very much in the office of the General Assembly, but so grateful that you're still deeply involved in the life of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church and grateful to have you again in our conversation here in the studio. Thank you, Dean. Ditto. All right. Well, my friends, I hope that uh, you are blessed by this as I have been today and that you'll uh, send this off to others uh, and, and help them to connect with what God is doing through In Faith, which is coming to this General Assembly this summer as a commended resource of the EPC. And that's one of the great things about the EPC. We don't have our own seminaries. We don't have our own publishing house. We don't have a lot of those kind of bulky overhead sort of infrastructure things. We are a nimble, uh, lightweight denomination that seeks to collaborate and work in partnership with other like-minded ministries and organizations to achieve the Great Commission. And the fact that God would direct Jerry I. path to be the leader of In Faith for a time such as this is a huge gift to the EPC. And I hope you'll join me in praying for Jerry, praying for In Faith, getting on their website, checking out more information about them and and, uh, sending him a word, if you think. God might be calling you to be a domestic missionary in the United States. In faith could be a great place for you to explore God's calling for that. And you can do that and still be in the EPC. Absolutely. All right. Well, my friends, this draws our conversation to a close, and we will do that with the good word from God's word, as we always do from Colossians 1, verses 15 through 18. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things Were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things having created through him and for him. He is before all things, my friends. And in him, that is in Jesus, all things hold together. For you see, he is the head of the body, the church. And until he comes again, and until we gather again in this, in this venue, I bid grace and
0: peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.